All right. Hello, everyone. It's me. It's Jake. Hi. Hi. It's Jake. It's me, Jake. This is episode 165 of my podcast. And my guest this week is my friend, Adam Hills, who's a comedian who I met in uh, Kilkenny, Ireland, at the Kilkenny Cat Laughs Comedy Festival. And he's, he was there every year that I've done it, which is, I did it three years, first starting uh, probably now 14 years ago, but the last one was just two years ago. And uh, we got to be friends there. I enjoy his act. He's a super funny guy and just a, a great person to hang out with as well. And I know there may be some of his fans listening, so let me just say right now, uh, welcome. And I'm going to get to the show as soon as I can, but I have to explain things to people who are not Australians or uh, British people, UK, Irish, people who, who are familiar with Adam know that he's great, and he turns out that he is quite a big uh, star there in those two countries. But here in America, we may not have heard of him. So you've got to check him out. You can check him out on the Internet. He's hosted several shows right now. He's uh, got a show in Britain called The Last Leg, and uh, that is a funny weekly news summary show. I guess it's similar to that uh, show that we have here on HBO this week of the last week of the thing that happened before. It's not called that, but John Oliver's the host. Ah, people from other countries coming to America to be successful. When are we going to turn the tables on them? I'm glad you asked. I'm going down to Melbourne for this uh, comedy festival because Adam, my friend, who's this week's guest, was kind enough to offer to produce my show down there at the Melbourne Fest. So I said, hey, what would be great is if we could get uh, on Skype and talk about it. You could tell me what to expect and uh, maybe that some of your fans down there in Australia would listen to this and decide, ah, oh, they want to, hey, this guy isn't so bad. Let's go see his show. That's what I'm hoping you're going to decide. I'm not a hypnotist or a mind control NLP and neuro-linguistic programming. I'm not one of those guys. I'm not a pickup artist. I'm a married dude of a certain age, but I'm a good time. And so I hope you'll come out to see the shows. I, I, I was even uncomfortable just saying I was a good time right then. And I don't mean that sexually. I just mean, well, maybe I do, but that's just for my wife. You'll have to ask her. And I've, we've been over it, and I've told her what to say to people who ask about that. I said, what if you were killed in a car accident and I needed to get a new girlfriend? Do you want to get in the middle of that? Would you please tell people that I have an immense, um, you know, man part and uh, that I know how to use it? And so hopefully she's spreading that word. I don't, you don't need this big of a window into my life, do you? Well, look, if you're looking for uh, tickets to see the Melbourne shows, you can, there's a link at my website, jakethis.com. You can go to the Melbourne Comedy Fest website. If you're in America and you want to know where I am, jakethis.com, you can check that out. Meanwhile, I want to get on with it. I want to get on with it and get my friend on and out. Uh, so we Skyped in. There's some sound issues. I don't think it's too big of a problem. I tried to clean them up as much as I could in post. But we're on Skype. Adam's backstage for a theater show in Britain in Swindon, which is a place that's funny. If you don't know the names of places, I'm sure there's a lot of really funny places here in America. Pig Snout and uh, Possum Bottom or whatever. I mean, we've got some weird names. Swindon. I don't even know what Swindon. I know Tilda Swindon. Maybe it's named after her. Um Anyway, Adam's backstage getting ready to do a show. He's nice enough to call in because of the time difference. It's morning here in the United States. It's evening there. Uh, anyway, we had this talk. I hope you enjoy it, uh, and I look forward to meeting all of Adam's fans while I'm down in Australia. All right, here we go. 
dude, I can't even believe it. <laughs> oh, actually, while I've got you there, I'm going to very quickly send you... Try and find this post trip send it to you. There we go, hold on. Okay. So I can get your reaction, there you go. All right, I'm Live playing. online. Cool, all right, I think it's then. What's that? So that's the poster. Uh, there's, there's two possibilities for the poster. So it'll, you should get it in an email in a second. All right, I can do... I think I can figure out how to do that. <laughs> click a thing, I click another thing. This is exciting. It makes for good uh, podcasts. Uh, I might have to do some editing. Okay, here are the posters. All right, nice. Well, when you look at them right at first, you can't even tell them apart. Yeah, the only difference is whether or not we can legally use the Letterman logo. Oh, I see. Oh, yeah. Well, I think you can... Uh, I ran into a thing about that. I did this special and I sold it to Showtime, which I don't know. Right. But uh, it's... And then they aired it on Showtime and I I owned the DVD rights and I said, well, so I want to put As Seen on Showtime on the box. And they said, no, 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 you can't do that because, you know, that's... You're using us to sell your thing. And I said, well, no, I'm telling people it's the thing that was on your thing. I'm promoting you. You know, the only people who are buying this are people who like me, not people who like you. <laughs> and they, they said, well, you can't lose, use our lo- logo. So I said, well, can I, can I just write Showtime in red letters in a, type, in a font? And they go, yeah, you can do that. And I go, okay. <laughs> you know, lawyers. Lawyers. Well, yeah, and that's, you know, I'm wondering whether there's, now that Letterman's not on, whether anyone there is really going to care anyway. Well, I think it can only help us if they sue. <laughs> I shall alert the producer and tell her that. <laughs> yeah. What they do, I mean, my understanding of how lawyers operate is uh, first they send you a letter that says you're, you're going to be in big trouble and we're going to st- we're going to take everything you own if you don't cut it out. And then you go, oh, okay, well, we'll cut it out then. Yeah. But first you go on the first you go in the media and say can you believe the letterman show is beating up on a poor comedian who's trying to sell some tickets to some shows in australia come yeah. on come on and then we, then we put um you know stickers up on the poster that says as sued by letterman perfect <laughs> perfect um maybe we should build the show as lawyer bait <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's getting sued before I come back to America. That's all I can say. <laughs> it's too late to change the name because, uh, you know, I think the Hillsong Church in Australia or the Westboro Baptist Church, they're very litigious. Right, but they, do they, you don't have that in Australia, do they? Do you? Uh, no, but I've baited them before and they're quite, um, uh, you know, that's how they make their money is by suing people. Oh, do they take you up on it? Do they get mad at you? Yeah, most of the people behind the Westboro Baptist Church are all lawyers, and that's how they make their money is by, by suing people for slander. Oh, man. Religious lawyers. Who would have thought? <laughs> I mean, just that they believe in anything is kind of nice I, on that, on, when you think of it that way. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe so we call the show Jake Johansson hates the Westboro Baptist Church, uh, thinks Apple is evil, no, we have to go further. Apple is yeah, yeah, convinced Apple uses child labor. Mm, it's going to be tough to. I think it's going to be tough to convince both of those groups that you hate them because I feel like I feel like as soon as you leave the Westboro Baptist Church haters, then you're, you know what I mean. I think a lot of Apple product users hate the Westboro Baptist Church. I, just the group of people who hate both of those things seems like it'd be pretty small. 
Fine, we'll just go with a funny show then. All right, all right. I mean, I don't, I don't mind. Donald Trump seems to be getting somewhere with this hating people. It's working for him, and that, there doesn't seem to be any consistency or logic to who he hates. Well, I hope that I'm not going to be called on when I get to Australia to explain American politics, but I'm willing to take a shot at it. You are totally going to be called on to do that. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. Is like I, I'm not a proponent or an ambassador of what's going on. I'm a spectator, just like everyone else. I'm voting, but I have no idea. I have no. I can't make sense of it. <laughs> to me, it seems like Donald Trump has accidentally run for president and is trying his best to get thrown out. But whatever crazy thing he does, it backfires on him. It really seems to be like the plot of Brewster's Millions. Yeah. <laughs> his next move, I think Donald Trump's next move, is to send a dick pic to Oprah. <laughs> if that doesn't get him thrown out, I mean, I don't know, I don't know what. I mean, he's, he can't be that far away before he's actually saying that. Like, what do I have to do to be thrown out of this race? Yeah, I don't. Don't you get it? I'm already rich and famous. And I can, <laughs> he's basically started off by saying, I can just pay politicians to do what I want. You know, why yeah. do I want to be president? <laughs> it's, it's, it's absolutely remarkable. And, and, you know, because the rest of the world are watching on in fear. You, well, I know you're. I, I get it. I get why you'd be. It's like a monkey with a gun. <laughs> I feel. I get it. I get that. That's how the rest of the world sees America. I get it. Why did you give the monkey the gun? I know we thought it was funny. Monkeys are funny, and then we gave it a gun, and it's. I get it. It's a mistake. I'm sorry. We're sorry. We're all sorry. You're going to have this exact conversation around 15 times in the first week you're in Australia on various radio stations. Well, good. I can't. I, well, I hope that they get that I'm just trying to explain it. I'm not the reason. I'm not the cause of it. I didn't pick these people. <laughs> I, th I mean, it's good to point that out. Yeah. I, to me, it feels like, look, it's like you've gone to a weird buffet where they just, you have to eat. You're hungry. But they don't have anything that you like. <laughs> All the choices are sort of weird. Well, we've been playing. We played a clip last year of a of a of a, um, a senator from Texas cooking machine cooking bacon on the nozzle of a machine gun. Oh! And wrapped bacon around the top of a machine gun, covered it in foil, fired it, and it got so hot that it cooked the bacon. Mm -hmm. And we played it on our TV show about six months ago as an example of. These are the nut jobs that are on the fringes of American politics. Uh oh, we're having a Wi-Fi issue. I think. Uh, I got yeah, I think. I don't know what happened. How much did you hear what I was saying? Well, I heard the part, the beginning part about the bacon, and then yeah. you were, and then you were talking about how that was an example of um, crazy American politics. Yeah. But to us, that's just an example it, of. Bacon is great with everything. <laughs> but then we watched the clip a couple of days ago and realized it was Ted Cruz. It was really? Ted Cruz was the guy cooking machine for bacon. I don't know if that makes me like him more or less. <laughs> I, I, it just is, it's funny to me. I, we do have intelligent people in America. We've got a lot of them. They just don't want to be president. Oh, have we frozen? Well, up? I don't get the intelligence of a dozen. Oh. oh, this is going to be, this is going to, this is going to be some editing done with this, isn't it? 
Yeah, there has. I'm going to, I don't know what can be the problem here. Uh, I could try. Try coming up to my pop on my top. See, hello. Uh, are we right at the moment? Well, no, we're not. I'm, I'm, uh, you're kind of pixelating a bit. No, it's just audio. So we could switch to just audio stream if we think that would make it better. And my, let's give it a try. Okay. I mean, it's, it's, it's certainly going to be weird not to see you. I accidentally muted my microphone. <laughs> <laughs> this is two men over 40 trying to work out. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Grandpa, how's it going? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So, well, so it's all looking pretty good for the season. There's, you've got radio interviews, uh, two or three already lined up. Um, you saw that your visas come through. Yes, I saw the email. My visas come through, so that's good. I've, yeah. I'm going to be allowed in. I don't. I, I. What I'm looking for. I'm so looking forward to the trip, and I, I get that it's weird to come on my podcast and then give me compliments. But I'm hoping. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping that I do you justice down there because I'm so grateful to to get to go. I think it's going to be super fun. I think it's going to, I'm, I'm really excited for you. I'm excited that you get to see the festival. Um, they're already lining up a few spots at the festival club uh, and various late night gigs as well. Uh, hopefully you can get on the gala. Um, Susan made the offer, so that's a great, I mean, if you can, and the thing is, that's tailor-made for you. It's a four-minute spot on Australian TV. Right, right. And, that, and that'll be airing before the festival proper gets underway. Is that how it works? That's usually how it works. It usually, maybe there might be three or four days of the festival, and then it goes to air, and then you've got three weeks of festival after that. Boy, it's going to be a lot of me doing shows, isn't it? I mean, I always say I could do a show a night forever because it feels just that's the right amount of getting it out of your system. But uh, it'll be a test. It'll be an endurance test by the end of it, won't it? Yeah, you tend to have that thing at the festival where by about by about night six, you start to go into bad autopilot. Bad autopilot? Yeah, that kind of thing where you go, oh, this isn't fresh anymore. I've been saying this for six nights in a row, but then about night ten, you go into good autopilot. Where... <laughs> describe, describe for my listeners the transition from bad autopilot to good autopilot. Bad autopilot. So when you first start doing a show, it's fresh. You've not done it before. You're excited. You're in a new town. You're still working out what's funny to that audience. And maybe the next night you tweak it a little bit and go, okay, so they didn't get that, but they'll like this. And now for about three or four nights, you go, oh, I'm in a good routine here. And then about night six, you kind of go, your brain, you don't, not intentionally, but your brain just, you go a bit dead behind the eyes and go, oh, it's just six nights in a row of saying the same thing. Oh, I've lost that thing. And then I, I think from good autopilot, it's a few nights later where you go, do you know, oh, I know this show so well. I can just walk out there. It's almost like a song. I know the opening beat, and once I've got that, it just all rattles off really quickly, and I can just enjoy it and not have to think about what bit's coming up next or how did that bit go. And that's that, for me, is good autopilot. Yeah, it's. I just. Uh, it'll be unusual to, to not change the show for that length of time, but I suppose it does change a bit, doesn't it, do you find, or no? Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, how much do you... 
I'm so well. Now we're back to the dropping out thing. I think you just asked me how much I talk to the audience. Yes. Um, well, I engage with them kind of as much as they want. I mean, generally speaking, I feel like my show feels like it's conversational, and some people are swept up in that, and sometimes will interact. I don't yeah. solicit a lot of interaction, but I did notice when I was over in uh, London last summer that uh, that the audience kind of like and expect a bit more than sometimes I think we're used to here in the States. When we were on video, I could at least see you when you were breaking up. Please stand by while we attempt to resolve these technical issues. Okay, we're trying again. Oh, now we got right. video. Can you hear me? Can and I can see you, and I'm on a slightly different connection, so this might be better here. Okay, so, so I think we're working so far this time. Okay, this is good. This is good. I can't, um, I can't remember exactly where we were, but I think we were talking about the transition from uh, um, autopilot to autopilot, the bad one. To oh the yeah, good talking one. to the because I always find talking to the audience is a good way to get you out of autopilot to remind yourself it's a different show than last night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well. And it's and it's funny to me because we don't really have here in the states the the difference between your stand up show. Well, that's what I wanted to ask you because you've set up these gigs in Adelaide where you say uh, where where I'm headlining, which in America yeah. a show where you say someone's headlining the show is usually three comics. First guy does fifteen minutes, second guy does thirty minutes, headliner does fifty minutes or an hour. But I noticed when right. I, I noticed over in Britain they would say to me. Not, not the shows that I did at Soho Theatre, the other shows. They'd say, oh, you do, you're going to be headlining, which just meant we're all doing 20 minutes, we tag team, introduce each other, and you go on last. Right. Right. Now, the ones in Adelaide, there'll be an MC, there'll probably be a couple of support acts, and then a break, and then you'll... I'll check, but I imagine you'll be doing about 40 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, in in the States, all of our shows is like I, are like I just said, and so... When I went to London to do the Soho Theatre, I kind of felt like, well, I'm going to be doing... It's just going to be the same. I go on and I do an hour. But it's quite different to go on when no one's on before you, and you've got to go out, and you're the first thing. And I kind of thought, well, they're they're sort of ready, so I'll go out and just launch into the show. But I feel like in retrospect, you, you almost want to go out, talk to the audience a little bit, be a human being, yeah, and transition yeah. into your thing. Yeah, and that's also... I mean, I was, I was going to say to you before, it's almost like you have to MC your own show. But even in the States, a lot of the MCs I've seen have just gone out and done 10 minutes of material and gone, well, that's my, that's my bit, here's your first act. They try and make it as much, well, because they don't, you have to, you have to prove yourself in that spot to get to the next spot. So right. they're trying to act as if that spot is the next spot as much as possible. They're trying to demonstrate, like, look, I can go up and my material can get me over just on its own. And I always try and say, well, look, no, you want to say, get them to, get them to, hey, you're all here. Let's give ourselves a round of applause, you know, just to get them interacting yeah. and kind of get things going a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I, it hadn't occurred to me to do that when I was over in London. Not that you would say exactly that, but but just something like... This is it. We're all in this place. <laughs> yeah. How, how about it? Yeah. Well, it's funny you say that. I, the last show I saw at the Soho Theatre was a guy doing political comedy, and um, he's a good friend of mine. But he came out and just went, right, so I'm a supporter of the Labour Party, and went straight into it. And again, and he's English, and I kind of felt the crowd were like, oh. You, I think that the thing in the States is that 
stand-up is, is, is accepted as a, as a performance form. So when you go out and go, right, so I was at the gym yesterday, people go, good, here's the performance. Whereas in England, it's a bit more of a, well, I'm a person in a room and you're a person in a room and aren't you at least going to say hello and introduce yourself before you tell me your story? <laughs> right, yeah. We've agreed that you're going to be doing all the talking, but I'd like you to t- demonstrate that we're both human beings first. <laughs> Yes, and Australians are very much like, even more so like that. I find, I mean, when I'm in England, I'll chat to the crowd, but I'm really kind of like, bang, bang, I've really got to get into my jokes, I've got to really entertain them. Whereas in Australia, if I do that, I can feel the Australian audience go, well, back off, just take take it easy, mate. Hmm, well, that's it. Just, just slow down a bit. This is the kind of solid coaching that I need going in. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, you'll also do, hopefully, three or four or five spots in Melbourne before the festival starts. Right, right. I'm coming in, I'm coming in early enough that, that I'll yeah, have a yeah. chance to get out and get around. But then, but that's like, uh, I did I did a couple sets in Sydney at the end of one of their, it was a 10-person show, and they go, well, you're, the, you're, the, you're the honored guest, so you get to go on last. And I was so worried that it was going to be like, they've seen everything. But the audience was great, and the other comics were very nice, and it was just a pleasant, it was great, it was a really fun experience. But, but that was much more, by the time it was my turn, the audience was ready to be... Right. Hi, it's me. This is a story that I have about myself. Well, and also you've got to take into account what time you're going to be on in Melbourne. You're on at 7.15, so Mm -hmm. people probably probably haven't had dinner yet. They might be seeing you and then going out for dinner. Mm -hmm. Uh, They wouldn't have had much to drink yet. Um, (laughs) I feel like that's better. That's better for me. (laughs) I'm not so good with the wild, drunk uh, crowd. But we'll see. But then there's, a, there's also that thing during a festival of every night is different because in Melbourne, okay, so Tuesday night is tight ass Tuesday where the tickets are cheaper than any other night of the week. Mm-hmm. So you'll get probably a lot of students. Uh, you'll get a really good crowd because it's cheaper tickets and it'll give you a good Tuesday. Wednesday, you know, it's middle of the week. The people who come out to see you are the people who are desperate to see some comedy at 7.15 on a Wednesday night. Not smart enough to go on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, the first Wednesday of the festival is a killer. You haven't built up momentum. Mm-hmm. Uh, you haven't got word of mouth yet. Uh, it's the day after Tight-Ass Tuesday. Um, and then Thursday you start getting the people who are... You know, Thursday's become the new night to go out. It's like, yeah, I've got work tomorrow, but I don't really care. I can slack off. It's a Friday. And is it, what's the festival like in terms of is it is it people from all over the world? Is it people from all over Australia? Is it mostly people from Melbourne who just go nuts for comedy for a month? Or how, as in the fans? Or the, yeah, yeah. Who's who's at the crowd? Melbourne in particular has a really, really. Um, comedy aware crowd like there are there are acts people like the mighty boosh from the uk did a lot better in australia before they did in england because the the australian audiences really loved it and then american comedians like i know Patton oswalt had a really good time there Mm -hmm. um maria bamford uh won the award for best show at the festival a few years back oh wow so Often the stuff that it's, – it's really confusing for us because we come to Montreal, for instance, and go and watch the alternative comedy show. And for us, that's just comedy. That's not – that's what mainstream comedy is in Australia. Well, it's much more It's much more that now here 
in the States, you know. I, f- I feel like when I started, I was a there wasn't alternative comedy that because it's I'm old, but uh, but I was more of a of a weirdo. Like I would have a difficult time sometimes when I'd go out and tour the rest of the country because people would be like, you know, we want some more body machine gun fire type of thing. And now alternative comedy and mainstream comedy are they're just comedy now. I think. I mean, I don't yeah. think there is that what what used to be a difference between yeah. the two. Um, so. Yeah, so what will happen in Melbourne is you get really comedy-literate crowds that like something that's a bit different, a bit kind of progressive. I mean, rich people love Rich Hall in Melbourne. He'll, he'll sell incredibly well. Well, uh, everybody loves Rich, I think. Yeah. Yeah, he's, a, he's won, you know, awards there. Mike Wilmot, uh, who you sure. would know from Montreal, Canadian comedian, always goes down really well. Uh and then there's this weird mix of comics. There'll be a lot of English and Irish comedians over there doing shows. There'll be... Uh, I know there's a whole bunch of US comics that are doing maybe a week each. There aren't. There won't be that many that are doing the whole three weeks like you are. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to having, the, having that big experience. And also, so we know each other from the Kilkenny Festival, and I just love that international feel. That's not a thing that a lot of American comedians get. Is, yeah. is to meet comics from other places. And also this kind of idea that, that there's people that, that spend a lot of their year going from festival to festival. I mean, I think Mike Wilmot is an example of a guy who does that. And he's in other, yeah. con- and he's in other countries as much as he's in his own country. It just seems like fun yeah. to me. Well, there's people in Australia now who are already doing maybe the Perth Fringe Festival, I think, and then they'll do... No, the Adelaide Fringe Festival is on at the moment. So I think they've done Perth, then they do Adelaide, and then they'll do Melbourne, and then maybe Brisbane Comedy Festival, Sydney Comedy Festival. Um, so you can just do – you can spend the first three or four months of the year going festival to festival in Australia. And then you do New Zealand in May, and then, uh, you know, you aim for Edinburgh in August. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, there's a whole – it's like – Stuart Lee described it as like a really lovely trade fair because there's no real competition in Melbourne. It's not like in Edinburgh where you're desperate to win an award or in Montreal where you're desperate to get a sitcom. You're just doing the show for the fun of doing the show and you can go from show to show and watch other people and learn. And Well, that's, the most, you know, that's also the fun thing to me is to see people who you never, you don't know, but they're accomplished and they're great, like yourself, you know. To, for me to go and get to see you and, like, Johnny Vegas the first time I went to Kilkenny was like, oh, my God, this guy is he's – like, he's a true original, like, wow. <laughs> yeah, so I'm looking forward to ha- – I'm looking forward to going to shows as much as doing my shows down there. I mean, that's one of the nice things about a 715, my shows at 715, so I, so I can still go out and see a show after that or two. And this, the great thing about Melbourne as well is because – it's one of those cities where, you, for the rest of the year, I mean, even during the festival, you, you you can't make an amazing living out of doing stand-up. So the people who do it, do it for the love of it. And so when the festival comes around, there's some really inventive stuff happening because it's not people thinking, okay, what's going to get me the biggest audience or what's going to get me on TV? It's people going, what's in my head that I just want to get out? Mm-hmm. I do think that that's a great thing about it, and I'm trying to I've – been, I've been working – uh, this last week in Minneapolis, and then uh, in a couple of weeks I'm going to Detroit, and I've been thinking, well, I, I, about what it's going to be like when I'm down in Melbourne and how to kind of gear and change the beginning of the show and to do something a little bit different and a little bit more, you know, you can, you can, people are coming to see you, so you can really be yourself as opposed to, 
sometimes here you've got half of the crowd has just come because it's the comedy club and they've got a yeah. they've got a little bit of a like who's we'll see if this guy's any good and so you, you've got to prove something to them before you're allowed to do your thing so yeah, yeah. I, I love that atmosphere of we're going to do our thing and you're coming to see us do our thing yeah, it's, it's amazing, and it's amazing responsibility too, you know, to walk out on stage and think, okay, people have paid money just to see me. Like people have seen my poster or they've heard me on radio and they've decided, yep, you're the guy we want to check out. That's why I stopped drinking during festivals because, <laughs> I mean, hangovers are bad enough, but when you're looking at a room full of people that you know have paid good money to watch you sweat through a hangover. Oh, that's man, awful. and how can you do it for – how can you do it for – three and a half weeks or whatever it is. I mean, that's the, the four or five nights of Kilkenny is one thing, but this, this is, I've been, I've been slightly concerned about the socializing aspect of the whole thing. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's, there's something about Melbourne though. I've seen people ruin themselves at other festivals, but Melbourne, most people, I think because you feel like you're in a city where, and you're in a festival where stand-up is really respected, that you end up respecting it as well, and you don't you don't write yourself off too much. Well, sure, yeah, no, I wouldn't do I wouldn't do that. But I, I was more talking about that feeling that uh, to just go back for, to Kilkenny because that's my main experience with festival yeah. is because it's four nights. You feel like this is my chance to have a night out having a beer. <laughs> with this guy that's it yeah so if yeah. he's gonna have another one i'm gonna have another one <laughs> but it seems like in melbourne it's like look i'm gonna see you tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow and uh i'm gonna know all the shirts that you own <laughs> I, I don't think i need to have another beer right now i think i have a theory that it doesn't matter how long the festival is how long you're there for or what you're doing, you always end up in the same state when you leave. <laughs> uh-huh. Exhausted. Yeah. There's something in the back of your head that just knows. It's like a race car. You know how much petrol you've got in the tank. You know how many laps you have to do. And you will time it subconsciously so that you cross the finish line just as you run out of petrol. Uh, well, that's my plan. <laughs> that's my plan. <laughs> <laughs> to get on the plane completely out of gas, have to be put on an intravenous uh, saline drip. And just come back to America fully hydrated. In many ways, doing Adelaide after the festival, I've now realised it's perfect because, I mean, the festival is such, like I said, it's a behemoth and it's, you know, you'll face your demons in a festival too. You're doing 22, 23 shows for three and a half weeks. You'll mm. have a sellout crowd one. The best thing is if you have a bad show, it's only 24 hours until your next show. Right, and right. The worst, the worst thing is if you have an amazing show, 24 hours you've got to do another show. Yeah, the casino aspect. I was saying that last weekend, Friday night, the early show was so good. It's like, I wish I could just take my winnings and skip the late show now. <laughs> I feel like this has been a great day. I don't want to risk it all on these drunks who are coming in now. <laughs> but at least, but, you know, you'll also have that thing of you, you'll do the festival club one night and then I know my wife, Ali, has already... Uh, she's going to talk to Laura about booking you for the opening weekend because she's got a variety show as well. Mm. So you'll have all these lovely other little bits and late night bits and pieces to do as well. So it, that takes you out of that kind of, oh, my God, I'm just doing the same thing every day for 23 Oh, yeah, days. yeah, yeah. I hadn't thought about the, So that's going on throughout the festival, other little things and yeah. appearances that you can do. And, oh, great. Yeah. 
Yeah, and little radio spots, and then and then say, so, yeah, at the end of it all, I think you'll finish on the Sunday night, probably recover on Monday. I reckon we'll maybe fly you to Adelaide on Tuesday, and then I think you've got Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday in Adelaide. Right. Without, like I said, that'll be a forty-minute headline spot where the audience has been warmed up for you. You don't have to go out and you know promote the show during the day. Adelaide is half an hour from some of the best wineries in the world. Uh, the really lovely comedians there. It'll be it'll be like a I wouldn't say a detox. It'll be do you know what it'll be? It'll be like when you do an aerobics class and then you do a cool down session at the end at a winery. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> uh, and so when are you going to be there? Because the, the exciting thing for me, well, first of all, when we were first talking about this and I was telling you that I've always wanted to do it and you were suggesting, oh, you, you, you could help me out and then it turned out that, no, you're going to produce it. I didn't really realize what was going into that on your end. And so, I mean... That's what I was saying at first when we were kind of getting all this going. I was like, oh, my God, this is – because I didn't realize what a generous offer you have, you were making me when, at the time. And then and then I kind of got self-conscious about it. But um, one of the things that bummed me out at first when you said, okay, well, we can do this, but you might not be able to get down from London for any of the festival. And I my feeling at that time was, well, I've got to do it. I'm not going to – be a year older when I do it. The sooner you do it, the sooner you can do it again. So I said, "Oh, yeah. oh, I want to, I want to do it. Let's do it this year." But I'm really excited that now it turns out you are going to be able to be down there. Yeah, well, we finished. We filmed our last TV show here on the first of April, and um, so I'll fly out, which is a Friday. I'll fly out of here on the Saturday, which means I'll arrive in Melbourne Monday morning. Mm-hmm. So at that point, you'll have done a week and a half of the festival, uh, and then there'll be two weeks to go. Oh, great! So you're going to be there for quite a bit of it. Yeah, yeah, which, and I'm glad. I'm, I mean, same thing. I mean, you know, I, 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 the thing is, when I first started doing festivals, I would produce my own shows, and I would do all of this stuff of, you know, what does the poster design look like, and where are we going to put ads, and, and I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed that kind of satisfaction of putting everything together. And now, you know, now I do bigger shows, and then I've got a management team behind me, and sometimes I, I, I don't get to do that anymore. Mm. So... Um, you know, helping to produce your show, it's, it fulfills that part of me that enjoys putting a season together and getting the, the satisfaction out of it when it works at the end of it. Yeah, well, I didn't I, – well, that's another thing that we don't really have here so much. In, in the States, a lot of times if you do these things, they book you, they do everything, you get off the plane and go where they tell you to go, and you have zero awareness of, like, who did the poster, where did they buy advertising, how are they selling the tickets. You don't know anything. And so this, even though you're doing the work, just for me, just interacting, and these are the photos, and look at the poster, and it's like, oh, this is quite a bit more of a uh, hands-on project where you're doing the show and the production aspect of it. Yeah, and I think that's good. You know, I think that's good for a comedian as well, because then later down the track, you might get your own TV show, and rather than being oblivious to everything else that goes on, you can go, no, hang on, I want to, what, what, what image are we running with for the TV show? Do you think maybe this font, I don't like that poster, you can kind of get a, a more hands-on approach to all of it, I think. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting to me also, because... Uh our friendship is based on hanging out at this festival, me seeing you do stand up and thinking you're awesome and having fun hanging out with you and all of that. And then now, as we've been interacting for this, seeing 
you're famous in two countries and, <laughs> and hugely successful. It's like, oh, I made I didn't realize I was making I was making friends with you because I liked you as a person. I thought you were really funny. I didn't I wasn't making friends with you because oh, this is a really big star in his two <laughs> other countries. And so so it's interesting now to experience a little bit of the side effect of that to see you tweet something and Eight people retweeted a tweet that you put out of the shows that I'm doing in Melbourne. And then I looked and I don't know who those people are. They don't know. They're not following me. They're just like, oh, we like Adam. And he tweeted about this guy. So we're retweeting it. <laughs> well, the weird thing is I don't like to, you know, I don't like to act famous for whatever that is. But That's a good quality. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I think it's, yeah, probably the Australian in me. I, you know, I, I feel awkward around that kind of stuff. And so, you know, I have a company name. I have a company name that is producing your show, but I realize that no one knows that that company is me. Ah. And, you know, for as much as possible, I want people to see my name on the poster and go, oh, well, if Adam likes him, then I'm going to go see him because that means you're going to have a better run. So I've had to go against my natural instincts and, like, use, you know, <laughs> kind of basically go, I'm famous, he's great, go see him. See, and you've had to also just now admit that you're an entity. <laughs> you're not just a person anymore. You're an entity. Are you two entities? You might be an entity. Are you an entity? Are you separate corporate entity in London and also in Australia? I'd say it's, a, it's two sides of the same entity. Yeah, well, not to get into your tax situation. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to cause trouble. But even that thing of I had to... You know, I had to get your permission before I could put Adam Hill's Presents on the poster because I felt, you know, I didn't want my name. <coughs> I don't know. I felt really awkward about it. <laughs> Dude, look, you could put Adam Hill's Presents. You could put friend of any comedian that you know down there who likes me on the poster. I don't care. You can make my name smaller. You can put your face on it. I just want people to show up for the show. That's all I want. <laughs> It's also interesting with that Facebook and Twitter thing, like you say, of, of working out, because I'm in London as well at the moment, so if I tweet about your show, I have to think, hang on, is anyone awake in Australia right now? Well, that's what I was trying to f figure out to when I retweeted it, at a, how do you do, how do you do, how do you do that stuff? Yeah, you got to be on yeah, top of it. But then someone told me the best time to do stuff like that is about three or four in the afternoon when people are at work, they're, they're kind of having a bit of a lull. They've got all their work done for the day, but they're not allowed to go home yet, so they're just faffing around on their computer looking on Facebook or Twitter. That's the time to hit them, apparently. It's, it's, I like the logic of it. Yeah, I, I don't know, which I guess would be about maybe 9 o'clock at night your time, perhaps. Yeah, well, I can do that. I'll figure that math out. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe maybe what I'll do is I'll also make a little uh, I'll make a little video or something to say this is who I am, and I'll put it up, and you can retweet it or something. I mean, we I I want to do as much whatever I can to help let people know that the show's happening, and that I want people to come out and see it. I'm I'm like you. I I'm not going there because I think I'm great. I'm going there because I think it's going to be great to go there. And, I, and I'm going to do some shows and have a good time doing those shows for whoever shows up. But I'm as much interested in seeing everybody else's show and doing my show as doing my show, you know. Well, that is the thing. Like, I've said to a few people, the, the reason I really, you know, wanted to do your show in Melbourne was because of a conversation we had in Kilkenny. And it was, uh, I don't think, yeah, it was the last time we were both there. And you were saying something about, we were talking about how stand-up used to be a thing you would do on the side in order, but you really wanted to make movies or you wanted to be on TV or whatever but now stand-up in itself is kind of 
it is becoming the goal. And I remember you, you said something about, you know, when I started, I was always thinking I wanted to be an actor and I wanted to be in movies. But mm. now I'm kind of thinking, no, I really like doing stand-up. Yeah, well, that's exactly where I am. I mean, my my the reason that I would do a TV show is because it makes people aware of you who want to then come out and see your your st- live, live show. I mean, look at you. You're, you. you're in London doing a TV show and you're doing shows. I just saw your tour theater last night theater you're doing a theater show on a monday night while you got then having to get up and do a tv show right yeah yeah and 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 it's great you know and then but then it's it's also weird because then you know i'm getting people coming and seeing my shows who have never seen me do stand-up before and some people have never seen stand-up before they've what they've seen me on tv and then gone oh i like him so then they're turning up and i'm almost having to reintroduce myself to them like, I've had to change my show and do some older material that's a bit easier to get into because there are people that are looking at me going, we've never seen stand-up before. How does it work? Mm, wow. Like, I've been doing this for 25 years. I like to just walk out on stage, start chatting to the crowd, and hopefully the entire first half of the show is half an hour of me bouncing off the crowd. But right, if I right. do that if I do that and then call an interval, I know at least a third of the audience are going to go to the interval going, is he actually going to do a joke at some point? Because they haven't seen any structured comedy yet. So right, right. go back and make sure that in the first half of the show there's some actual stories and some actual jokes and some, some fairly easy stuff for, for those people to get into. And then in the second half I can go, right, are we all on the same page? Right, now let's crack on. Ah, well, that, that brings up a little bit of a, a, a question, uh, you know, that kind of little inside comedy question that I had about the Melbourne Festival and the gala in particular. So when you're yeah. going on television, are you trying to do something different to what is going to be in the show that people are going to come and see, or are you trying to, do, to take an excerpt from the show? It's a... It's everyone's quandary. It's everyone has that same thing of going, do I burn four minutes of the show? Uh, but then in, re- in reality, you, you want to do the best four minutes possible. Well, sure. And then, and if it's only four minutes, I mean, if, you know, are people going to watch your show and then suddenly have a four-minute lull where they go, oh, this old stuff? Well, they're not really. I mean, my experience from doing the Letterman show here so many times, which is roughly that yeah. four-minute slot, is that yeah. you're – you're kind of compressing maybe six minutes into four. So even if they saw that same material on stage, it's kind of blossomed and embellished and it's different. It's different in the live show than it would be on the TV show. If, if you know, if I'm making a rationalization, if I'm having a pretend argument with the person who's protesting that I just <laughs> did something on the television, you know, which is often a good way to fall asleep at night is to have a little argument with imaginary people who are mad at you. For things that you think that are not something they should be mad about. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, I, I'm, yeah, I've had those conversations. But also, I mean, if, if, someone, if someone has seen you on TV and seen you do four minutes and then they've gone, do you know what, I really like that guy, I'm going to book tickets to his show, I don't think you've got any right to complain if, if you then go and see that show and that four minutes is somewhere in that hour. Right. Yeah, sure. But, I mean, I can easily, I can easily not have it. I can easily do something different, which I had thought about doing. But then, I, then, then the thing you worry about is, I came to see you because I saw you do the thing on TV, and I brought my friend, and I told him how great that was. And then you didn't even do it. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'll say, "Well, you should have taped it, mate." 
Um, no, I think you're right. I think do the four minutes that that's that's in your show, and, and I, I agree. I think people love to see that bit that they saw on TV, and you're exactly right. They'll bring a friend, and they'll see another fifty six minutes of of stuff that you didn't just do. Right, right, because it's an hour total. That's a that's a yeah. That's four minutes is not that much in in the context of all of that. Yeah. yeah. What ends up happening is the boat by by the end of the festival when you've done you know a variety night and the festival club and another late night show and another late night show and two radio spots. You, you get up at the end of the festival and you think, I've done all of these four minute bits, and I don't now. I'm not sure that you you may have seen me do these four minute bits five times over the past three weeks. Well, this explains why you're turning over an hour of material every year because you're tired of it. You've done it so many times <laughs> in, in so few nights in a row that you're just like, I've got to write a new act or I'm going to commit suicide. <laughs> I don't, that's what I'm going to be, that's the dream I'm going to be having when I'm on my sailing bag flying home. Like, I can't do my act anymore. I always end up leaving the festival with a name for my next year's show. And a vague theme of what I want it to be about. And so, is the is this festival the end of your cycle, or or kind of the middle, or the beginning? Um, well, it's changed. It used to, it used to be I used to do Adelaide first, then Melbourne, then Edinburgh in August, and then I'd and that's when I would start thinking of a new show. But now, you know, now I've, I tour Australia, and because of the TV show, I couldn't do a tour all last year, so I've had to spread it out over two years. So there's still a few cities in Australia I haven't done which I'll probably do in the middle of the year and then I'll come back to the UK and I'll keep touring here and then I'll film it for a DVD in October and then I'll probably tour it up until just before Christmas and then I'll be done with this show and then it'll probably take me another year to write a new show. And do you throw it all out or do you kind of cycle in new stuff as you go? No, with this with this show... This particular show, everything is there for a reason and it leads up, there's stories that lead up to a, you know, to a point at the end of the show. So if I start phasing stuff out, it's not going to make sense yeah, yeah. anymore. I see. So for me, the way of writing a new show is then go back to the club, start doing 20 minutes and maybe there'll be five new minutes in that 20 and then that five will become 10 or become 20 and then it gradually gets bigger and bigger over the year. Yeah, yeah. And is that the show that you're doing tonight in, Swin in Swindon? Swindon, yeah, yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, I've got two, I'll probably be on, I'll do about 90 minutes on stage. Uh, so the f first half will be maybe 35 and the second half will be 55. Oh, so you t do you, t and you take a little uh, break? Yeah, well, I kind of, sometimes I take a support act, but I quite enjoy just having the whole night to myself. And like last night was in... Last night was Buxton. I think the first half was about 48 minutes and the second half was about 50. Um, and then the night before was even longer. I think it was 45 and maybe an hour. So it kind of either the ad-libbing expands or I just chuck in an old bit that I haven't done for a while. Um, yeah, it's kind of there – is, there is a thing I once found the first time I ever had to do two halves. I didn't realize I turned up and I'd been booked for two halves and I went, oh, I wasn't expecting that. Um, so I went out and did 25 minutes and it went well, you know, and that thing where the yeah. audience don't know who you are and you try and win them over. And, uh, but then when I walked out for the second half, the cheer was enormous. And I realized that what happened is you've got an audience of people, they don't really know who you are or if they do, they're not sure if you're any good. They've come to see you cause you're in the program for the festival. They watch you for half an hour. 
And as long as that first half an hour is good, they go to the bar and have a drink and go, oh, I like him. Oh, I can't wait for the second half. That was really enjoyable. And then the second half they go, right, we're on board. We know what you do. Let's go. And that second half just becomes so much fun. Yeah, well, it sounds. Yeah, it really sounds like the analogy is they've decided to come back and see you again, but on the same night. <laughs> yeah. He was so good the last time we saw him that we're going to see him again, and it was only a half hour ago. It's like a miracle. <laughs> and then from a, I don't know, from also a kind of cynical marketing point of view, it means you've given them the whole night out. You've given them two hours of entertainment. They've come to see your show. Uh, and and you are the night out rather than the act at the end of the night. So next time you're in town, they go, great, Adam's in town, that's our night out again. Yeah, yeah, sounds great. Well, I love, is the place you are tonight as nice as the, I saw the picture of the Buxton Theatre. If anyone is listening to this now in America, go to Adam Hill's uh, Twitter, which is, what is it, Adam, it's... Adam Hill's Comedy. Adam Hill's Comedy, at Adam Hill's Comedy. You can see a picture of the Buxton Opera House, which was unbelievably beautiful right oh that's the thing about britain though like there are so many different theaters of different sizes right across this country so tonight i'm in a 650 seat theater in swindon it's a fairly modern theater um it's all in the round it's almost in the round it's it's like they're on you know it's like 180 degrees and it's 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 quite a modern theater last night was the buxton opera house which i don't know how old it was but it was like I felt like I was soiling it with my jokes. Well, I've performed places like that in the states where you just you feel like, oh my god, do they don't do they, they don't know I'm here, right? The people in charge of this aren't here tonight. Someone else has made a decision, and we're just sneaking in and out. But no matter how nice it is, you wind up in a room with uh, I see an ironing board behind you and a couple of hangers that looks like your shirt for the show. It's like, yeah, comedy is such a funny. Well, I, I, it's got to be the same for rock stars. Everybody always has this Im- imagination about what it's like backstage. And it's like there's an ironing board and a bucket with some beer in it. Maybe you get some cheese. <laughs> it's much nicer in the audience than it is backstage. I once did a show at the Comedy Store in London and Billy Connolly dropped in for the night just to watch some stand-up. And he came backstage and we apologized because it was such a terrible little backstage room. And he basically said, oh, I don't like a nice backstage I need a, I like a terrible backstage because then I'm happy to be on stage. (laughs) He said, if backstage is luxury, I don't want to leave it. (laughs) What a sweet, first of all, great impression. Second of all, what a sweet, what a sweet thing to say. (laughs) I think the second half of Buxton, I struggled a bit last night. I think it was because the heater was on backstage and it was so lovely and toasty warm. But I walked out on stage and went, oh, I like I've just had a nap. Well, that's how I am backstage. I don't. A lot of people like to dim the lights and make it sort of relaxing. I like the fluorescent lights on, and I want it to be like we're awake. We're going to we're at work <laughs> yeah. right now. Yeah. Well, there's a thing, and it's interesting between it's when you're doing two halves. I read a thing about Billy Crystal when he does a show with an interval. Um, during the interval, he apparently has a treadmill backstage, and he just walks on it for 20 minutes so that his heart rate doesn't drop in between the first and second half of the show. Oh, that's that's interesting. I mean... It, it, it is. It, like, there's that thing. So you go out and you do 40 minutes and go, come on, let's win new people over, and you bash it out for 40 minutes. Then you go backstage and sit on your own for 20 minutes. What do you do? You just sit there and read a book. And... Well, <sighs> it, 
where just where I just was in Minneapolis, you know, we're doing two shows on Friday and two on Saturday. So you've got, but it's a longer time. You know, you come off stage, that show's over, those people leave, you have something to eat. The next yeah. show starts, people go on. So you kind of re-gear and restart yourself up. But it's yeah. it's quite a different thing what you're talking about to just watch walk off for 20 minutes. I mean, do you ever feel like you come off and drink a water and use the toilet and want to go like I'm ready to go right now? Um. Yeah, sometimes, in fact, sometimes I think, I, like last night, I think the problem was, like I said, I did 48 minutes in the first half and it was great. And I kind of walked off feeling like, well, I've, that's my set. I'm, I'm done. And then I kind of sat down and, you know, I, I, I tweaked during the show. I took a photo. There were some, <laughs> some 13-year-old kids in the audience. So I took a photo of us as a boy band and said, if we were a boy band, what would we be called? Um, and then just tweeted it whilst doing the show. And so then in the interval, I started looking at the names of what people had tweeted back. Um, and because I've got a prosthetic leg and I was on stage with three kids, someone said S Club Seven Legs. Um, <laughs> S Club Seven being a big, uh, you know, a pop band over here. Um, so I spent the interval just looking through my phone, basically. At, 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 there were like 200 replies that came in. And then, you know, the tour manager went, right, we're on in five. And I'd just been sitting down looking at my phone for 15 minutes. And I think during the second half, I felt like... I wasn't, I didn't quite have as much energy. So tonight, I don't know. I, don't, I mean, it's not much of a dressing room, but I might just, I don't know, maybe do some push-ups or something just to, just to keep myself awake between half. Just hearts. pace back and forth like a panther. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that you can lock them up for years and they just keep going back and forth. Like when that cage, when that door is left open for two seconds, I am out of here <laughs> on a dead run. <laughs> That's exactly. I'm gonna. I mean, I'd like to think I'd be pacing back and forth, forth like a panther, but I think I'd be more rocking like one of those bears in an Eastern European zoo that really needs some freedom. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a fine line between <laughs> wild animal and mentally disturbed animal. <laughs> well, I. This has been. This has been great. I feel like we're breaking up a little bit more. And what time is your show? You got to. Uh, it's five to seven now, so I'm on stage in an hour. All right. Well, so I'm going I'm to have my Red Bull and a banana, and uh, and do some stretches. Before the show, it's Red Bull banana. After the show, what do you do? Um. Well, tonight I'll be. Uh, do you know what? What I've been doing, what I find fun, is um, on the, doing this particular show. I take a bucket out into the foyer of the theater afterwards and uh, get people to put money in it for a local charity. Um, partly because it gives me something to do after the show, but uh, I don't know why. I just started doing it in Melbourne, and we ended up – I did 20 nights last year at the Melbourne Comedy Festival and raised $40,000 for a homeless charity just by doing that, just by shaking a bucket. So tonight I'll – and then people want photos, so I'll spend about an hour in the foyer with the bucket collecting for a charity and doing photos with people, and then and then I've got a, an hour and a half drive back to London tonight. Ah. So you've got you're 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 at work. You're basically going. You're doing your first half, your second half, and then driving to your third job tomorrow morning. Yeah. Yes. That's exactly. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Oh, and we didn't talk about that thing in Melbourne that you've got a sign interpreter on one of the nights as well. Oh yeah, yeah. So how does that work? So it's not a big room. This place that I am, right? It's 125 seats, I think. Yes. Yeah. So there'll be someone in there with me, off to the side of the stage. Yep. Yep, and it is. I've done it. 
I've been doing it for years. It is so much fun. They're my most fun. I do it every Sunday night of the festival, and it's my most fun night of the festival. Because are you you're allowed to interact with that person? Yeah. Weirdly, the rule is they're not allowed to. They're they're there to translate. So they they sign whatever you say, but they're not technically allowed to answer you back. Mm, which is a little so, bit weird. It is a bit weird, but and have they been vetted? They're actually speaking sign language. It's not like that thing that happened at uh, <laughs> <laughs> what was that? The opening ceremony of the Olympics yeah. or something? No, there's a really good company in Melbourne now, and you'll, there'll probably be about maybe twenty acts during the festival that'll that'll do it. Uh, and there's this one specific company that provide sign interpreters for performances. Um, the only time signing doesn't work is for a pun or a wordplay because if you're signing, you sign one word or the other word. You don't. It's hard to make one sign look like another sign because. Sure. Well, that's the that, that's the tricky thing too. Just that kind of stuff going to another country. There's those things that are funny here because of the word that you've chosen. Which in another place, that's that's not a funny word. That's a word we say all the time. Or something where I'm listening to someone talk in Ireland or, or Britain and they say they, their choice of the word is amusing to me. But to them, it's like, no, that's just what we – that's our word for that. It's, yeah, exactly. So I'd imagine in Australia you're probably going to get laughs where you don't even realize things are funny because you've chosen a word that you think is normal that Australians think is hilarious. Well, that's an optimistic way to look at it. <laughs> The other thing is, could be that my whole act is like, no, 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 you don't get it. These, my choice of these words, it's, it's a different, I'm in a place where this, not everyone talks like this. <laughs> there was a guy, you, you may come across him at the festival called Jared McCulloch. He went on stage at the Late Night Festival Club once under the name of Hank Ruby and pretended to be an American comic who, who assumed every American reference would work in Australia. So he, he basically opened, he came out and he went, hey, it's a great city here in Melbourne. I love it here. I love it. You're almost like a real city. I love it. You keep working, you might get your own Olympics, just like Sydney did. And then people in the crowd are going, we had the Olympics in 56, dude. And he just kept going like that. And he was like, you know, I'm watching the, pri this is a few years ago, I'm watching the primaries in Clinton. I mean, she's like... She's like the Knicks in 72, am I right? <laughs> People totally are going with him. But they didn't even get he was a satire. He bombed as if that was his real act. Yeah, I mean, half the people in the room knew him <laughs> and knew oh. what he was doing, but the other half were openly booing him, saying, go back to America, learn about this country. Well, I feel like the only person who would do what he did is a person who would be happy with that response. <laughs> You know, it went just yeah. the way I liked it. I took a proxy beating for America. <laughs> so, but yeah, I think you'll enjoy having a sign interpreter. We, and especially because sign interpreters work best with stories. And you are such a great storyteller and such a conversational comic. And that's perfect for, for the sign interpreters and perfect for a deaf audience. Hmm. Well, it's interesting. It'll be, uh, yeah, that's just one of the other interesting things about the about the week, the weeks there. Now, where am I going to be staying? My, not that we have to work this out on the podcast, but <laughs> um, I'm sorting it at the moment. I'm probably going to put you in a there's a there's a service departments where most where the festival put their comedians. So I reckon I'll put you there so that you're at least in the you know you'll be surrounded by comedians. You'll have other friends there as well. Perfect. That's perfect. That's perfect. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I'm excited. I'm excited. I just you know it's. it's 
Oh, man, I've been looking forward to this. I mean, since we kind of started the ball rolling last fall, fall here yeah. in America, in Australia, it's the other thing. Um, yeah. But uh, since we started the ball rolling on this, it's been the thing that's kind of I've been aiming towards and really looking forward to. It's, it's you know, I've been doing stand-up now for 30-something years. So in the States, it's I've been touring around. I, I'm having a lot of the similar experience of going back to places that I've been, but with new acts and interacting with people and people coming out and saying, we've been married 12 years, we came to see you on our first date, that kind of stuff. But to go yeah. somewhere where I've not been before and perform for audiences that are not super familiar to me and to be around all these other great acts that I've never seen, I'm just so excited about it. I can't, I, 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 I'm really looking forward to it. Well, and I'm, I'm hoping it'll be the first of, of many visits. Yeah, well, uh, and then all the tourist stuff. We didn't even talk about the tourist stuff I've got to do while I'm down there, but I suppose we can oh, have... But that'll have to be another podcast. Yeah, that'll have to be another... Am I going to see a kangaroo? I'm going to see a kangaroo, right? Probably, yeah, yeah. I mean, you might have to actively go looking for a kangaroo at, like, a wildlife park. No, um, but it's got to be an outdoor said- kangaroo on the loose. So it doesn't count if it's a kangaroo. Like, at the airport, if they have a kangaroo in a big plexiglass box, like, here's your kangaroo, uh, that's not good <laughs> enough. Do you know what? There have been a couple of cases in the last maybe two years where a kangaroo has been hopping around the airport car park. (laughs) Don't get my hopes up like that. Don't get my hopes up like that. It's a a slim chance, but it has happened. (laughs) I checked my bag and a kangaroo ate it. (laughs) I will will make sure you see a kangaroo. if I have to release a wild kangaroo into your show one night, I'll make sure you see a kangaroo. Well, I, they can be dangerous in a confined space, as, as can be any wild animal. Yeah, yes, exactly. And they can be really cutting as hecklers, too. Right. Well, I hope that's the night when I have the uh, sign language interpreter there, so I've got someone to help me. <laughs> or is she not allowed to, he or she, are they allowed to help if you're attacked by a wild animal? She can only throw the same punches you throw. <laughs> Man. That's going to be tough. All right. I've got some Googling on kangaroo fighting to do. <laughs> All right. I better go and do my show. Yeah, have fun. Hey, thanks for doing this, Adam. And I'll post it, and then uh, you can link it, or we can tell Ben if he wants to take some excerpts out of it, whatever. Put, put your face on anything of mine that you want. <laughs> I'll see you. Okay, good talking to you. All right. Bye. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening, Adam Hills. It was a pleasure talking to him. It's going to be a great trip down to Melbourne. And my next guest next week is going to be Tom Rhodes, who's been to the festival, who's going to tell me all about it. It turns out that it's Tilda Swinton. I don't think it's Tilda Swinton, is it? Uh, I should have Googled that. I should have Googled it in the interim, but it wasn't as, it wasn't as long for me as it was for you. <laughs> Speaking of good in the sack... Hey, uh, thank you for listening. Don't give up. There'll be plenty of time to give up later. You're awesome, and I feel good about this. So let's react. Let's re. Let's relax. Let's react. React to it if you want to on the internet. You know where I am. I'm on Twitter at Jake This. 
Facebook, Jake Johansson. You can like my page. I don't think you can unlike it. Well, you could. Don't unlike it. Come on. Why would you? If you've already liked it, just let it ride. Just let it ride. Thanks again. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.